0: So, has anyone ever said to you, my customers are different? Because for me, a few business people I've worked with do say this, and worse, they seem to actually believe it. Thanks for tuning in to the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast. I'm Sue Ann, and I appreciate you sharing your ears with me today. So what do you think? Are there different customers depending on, say, your particular industry, or perhaps your business model? Can you expect or make people act in a way you think they should? Because in your case, you just know that, yep, your customers are different. Look, when you know your clients inside and out, when you deal with them directly, and when you are deeply entrenched in your business or industry, it's easy to feel this way. But it's also easy, way too easy, in fact, to assume you know and understand more than you do. The unintentional bias you bring to any situation is only one reason. But this is a big one. So let's talk about your unintentional bias first. See, here's the problem. As soon as anything is filtered through a person, it changes from what is to what it is to you or how you see it. Let me see. How can I express this better? Here's an example for, for you. In a Skype mastermind group I'm lucky enough to be a part of, someone said, wrote a comment, okay, about taking the bias out of writing. His exact words were, Now, if you could only keep bias out of the writing slant, I'm not going to lie. I felt a little flare of aggravation because, frankly, this statement in a group filled with writers and editors, for one thing, astounded me. So, since this kind of made my blood boil for a quick flare-up, I thought about it a lot. And there was a few reasons it bothered me. So... Finally, I wrote a response into the Skype group, and here's exactly what I said. I said, this kind of made my blood boil for a quick flare-up for a few reasons. As a writer, I want to be accurate as a priority every day of the week. But as a human, I promise you there is no such thing as an unbiased writer, period. Why? Because writers are human beings, and human beings, no matter what they do, where they work, or on what, all bring a bias to the table. Everybody does by default. We all walk into the room with our own set of biases, often ingrained deeply from our upbringing, our life experiences, or our educational and other background, our temperament, Too many particulars to count are part of the whole that makes each of us who we are. Who we are forms our biases. They exist as part of the human condition. You can't smack them out of me or correct me for having them. Now back to writing. Without my bias or slant, I'm squat. And that's what I wrote. Unquote. <laughs> I couldn't help myself from that response. I couldn't stop myself for writing it, but I thought about it all day before I wrote it. Fortunately, another writer, a great one in fact, named David Trounce, chimed in an agreement. And here's what he added. And this is quoting David Trounce. He says, true stuff, Suanne, Ann. Bias is an inescapable concept. Like Schultz Schnitzens, I can't say, Schultz and good and evil, <laughs> it runs like a line through the center of every human heart. It's a function of our personality from head to toe, whether conscious or unconscious. It's there when we choose our friends, our employment, our lovers, and our vegetables. Strangely, the media has taught many to be ashamed and embarrassed about this inescapable aspect of our personality as though it was something automatically evil. Stranger still is the common belief that the media is by default unbiased, even though it's made up entirely of human beings. Bias is not something to be treated and dealt with. It is what makes us human and not animal or vegetable, or mineral. Unquote. Yay, David. I love that. I think he wrote, something they're very eloquent, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to share it with you. But, you know, maybe at the time, I was struggling with questions about my own writing, or perhaps more specifically, my writing style. But the reality is, it doesn't matter the category or type. Every communication reflects a bias of a sort. In thinking it over and over and over and over, and over again, I think I'm good with this kind of bias. For one thing, it's part of the human condition. I accept that it is. And actually, I embrace humanness in my work because it means expressing things in as truthful a manner as possible. Why? Because I'm only, thankfully, able to tell you or write for you about any given topic from my personal experience and from the cumulative knowledge of what I know or work to discover about it. How I tell the details or deliver this cumulative information then comes with an unintentional bias because it comes through my filters and from my unique mix of the information. On the other hand, a bad way, this completely unintentional bias I'm I'm calling a natural part of the human condition, shows up when we are overly familiar or entrenched in something like your own business to the point you're unable to see it in any other way than the way you see and understand it. Yep you guessed it, through a tightly held and often significant bias. In this case, seeing things from fresh eyes or a new or different perspective can be impossible. The filter of your own bias in this case makes it hard to get a reasonable and completely realistic look. When people look at their websites, their business websites, this subjective view is sometimes all they're able to see. But the big problem with that is you're seeing the show from the other side of the curtain only. You can't step back and look with fresh eyes so you can see and feel what a new person experiencing your brand via your website may be like. Don't forget, you want your website to delight and invite your digital home is a reflection of your business. If it's not professional, you use, lose credibility with people quickly. In the case of how you see your business, often only from the inside out, it means in that case your bias isn't coming from a place of honesty, but rather from an ingrained belief. Um, okay, I'll give you I'll explain this in another way. Here's here's a great example that'll make it real clear for you. When I'm editing my work or when anyone's editing their work and they've read it and they've worked on it for a month or 2 weeks or a day and a half straight, 40 hours in a row, Uh, They're deeply into their work, and they've written it, they've edited it, they've edited it, and they're reading through it. And yet when they publish it, their buddies hit them up and say, uh, typo, and, you know, wrong word, and, you know, edit, edit. The reason is because we are so familiar with the material that when we read it, we skip over the mistakes because we know what it's supposed to say. We miss that it's supposed to say, John, I'm coming to the meeting. And it just says, John, I'm coming meeting. We knew it was supposed to have that two in there in our head. And so we glaze over the words, knowing what they should be, and miss these edits. Do you understand that's a way to tie this back up? To those of you, now, let's get this back. I'm sorry. Let's tie this back up to those of you who think your customers are different. I say maybe this is another case of those little blind spots, those darned ingrained biases, part of the human condition. But these aren't really pure because these brilliant truths are what we think we know after they're filtered through us. The business lens, then, is a tough one to break. It's like trying to change a clunky corporate culture. It's certainly not a customer-focused approach when it starts from the inside out like that, right, or stems from only one side or one viewpoint, like, you know, from the backside of that curtain, where you don't see the production from the, from the audience view, right? You only see it from the production back end. The point, well, I'm sorry to tell you, your customers aren't different. You only think they are. Don't worry. The problem isn't just your business bias. You're also not understanding something I talked about on the show before, and that's that your customers are people, and people behave consistently in particular ways. This is about behavioral science and motivational psychology. This is about understanding how people work, what makes them take action. Unless your people are not people, there are certain core drivers that make them tick, it makes, that make all of us tick. You can't make them behave differently than what's innate to them, okay? Again, like bias, it's part of the human condition. Listen to the shows talking about U.K. Chow and his octalysis theory, and listen to the core eight drivers that he identifies that motivate people. Look, you can fight the data for how people work, how they innately operate, but you can't change the truth. Here's another example. Let's make this easy again and let's take it off the web. Working in the catering production and event design business for decades, I worked with a lot what a lot of you know as bridezillas. But bridezillas that were the most, I guess, challenging for me had nothing to do with the wedding design, the event design, the production, the party, the food, nothing like that. The big problem was trying to explain to a bride or a person planning a party, this sometimes happens in a corporate setting as well, that people perform or act in a certain way. Now, in, in our business, we often called them sheeple because, for example, if you set up a station-style event, everybody will stand in line even though there's nine other choices where there's no line. It's just how it works. People just gravitate to where everyone goes. That must be the place to start. You can start at nine places Well, we'll wait and wait and stand in line here. It, it, I've seen it a million times. It's just a funny quirk about people. Unless you, you know, have to, you have to carefully plan to change that general way to, to, that things will happen. Now, in the case of the bridezilla, the argument is, I want to sit down dinner for 300 people with five courses served and china removed and so forth in this amount of time and there you can only staff so much staff there's a chronological time that it takes in order to serve 300 cups of soup 300 salads 300 dinners 300 desserts and clear plates in between you can you know adjust for time somewhat by staffing and again it depends on back of house facility as well as front of house you know um so there's a lot of things that make the case that you can only feed that many people that many courses with China and service in that much time. Sit down. The same happens for Bridezilla, who wants a buffet service served. They want appetizers served for this long straight to dinner in this amount of time. Well, the factor they don't include is how people behave. People first go to the bar maybe. Um, they don't go straight for an appetizer as soon as they walk in the door. And so appetizers didn't start when Bridezilla had planned, and that pushes back the timing of the wedding. If there's a buffet and you have this many people, it takes this long to get through the buffet for that many people. You can't change the flow of human behavior and how long it will take people to do certain functions. I've learned this over 30 years, but It's very hard sometimes to tell the customer that their timeline just won't work because of people's behavior. They're in eight sheeple behavior. Whatever you want to call it, it's the way it is. And I think that that is the same thing that happens with business owners and their website. They don't want to understand how people operate. Remember when we talked about Donner, Donald Miller's book and how he says he has the UG test, the the caveman test. When you go to a home page, it has three jobs: UG, UG, UG. Answer what people need. That's how they work. If you decide that you know better then the behavior of people as a whole based on core drivers, based on motivational psychology and behavior, that's okay. But you could be making a mistake, is what I'm saying. Your business bias for what you think, not only about how your business looks to somebody coming in first time, um, but also about how people will react to a website and how they will click or not click through what you want them to do, is tricky. And you can't decide you want it to go a certain way if people won't react to that. Does that make sense? I hope so. I'm going to say bias is good and bad, because I think when you honestly tell the story the best you can... But you add a little personality, you tell a little about your own experience with whatever topic you're talking about. That makes interesting, exciting information. It doesn't mean that you're not being truthful and giving the facts 100%. But when you have a bias where you can't see your business clearly, where you can't experience your business from the outside in and how someone sees your website, that's your professional window to the world digitally. If it looks unprofessional, if it doesn't prove what you say with data and with background proof, then it's very hard to convince somebody that you're credible. So think about your biases, but relish the good things and step back and rethink about the bad biases we bring into the business world. Try to be a little bit more open-minded in seeing things different and listening to how other people who might know a little bit about your industry or your topic, see it, and take their information in as well. Okay, I think this should help you mix, sizzle, and shake your business. So go out and do it, and stay tuned. Our new segment announcement is coming up. We're having a new weekly segment and a new weekly host, and I know you're going to love her. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out this Write Mix for Business presentation. Remember, if you need to bling your blog or you need help with any content assets for your business, Write Mix for Business. Yep!